Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The story for me was that I thought I was supposed to be superwoman, superhuman, which is so hard to be and then asking for help is almost like asking me to speak a different language that I have never spoken. So I think that when we talk about act and psychological flexibility, that is what I like to bring to the model to teach people and to practice this myself, being willing to be with difficult emotions, being willing to step back from my inner rules, being willing to show up as a badass <laughs> and not only tell people that it's okay to ask for help, but teach them. That was Ricky Kelgard on Psychologists Off the Clock. We are three clinical psychologists here to bring you cutting edge and science-based ideas from psychology to help you flourish in your relationships, work, and health. I'm Dr. Debbie Sorensen, practicing in Mile High, Denver, Colorado, and co-author of Act Daily Journal. I'm Dr. Yael Schoenbrunn, a Boston-based clinical psychologist, assistant professor at Brown University, and author of the upcoming book, Work, Parent, Thrive. And from sunny San Diego, I'm Dr. Jill Stoddard, author of Be Mighty and the Big Book of Act Metaphors. We hope you take what you learn here to build a rich and meaningful life. Thank you for listening to Psychologists Off the Clock. Our sponsor today is Uplift Desk, creators of office furniture designed to help you work better and live healthier. I love my Uplift standing desk. It's solid and sturdy and allows me to easily transition from sitting to standing while I work with just the push of a button. The ability to switch from sitting to standing throughout the day has been a complete game changer for me. I feel so much better than when I sit all day, and it helps me stay alert when I get tired. In addition to standing desks, Uplift offers ergonomic office seating, storage systems, even walking treadmills for your desk. Everything you need to up your office game. You can get free shipping with no hassles, free 30-day returns and return shipping, and a 15-year warranty. Remember, by supporting our sponsors, you are supporting the podcast. Visit upliftdesk.com slash POTC for 5% off your order. That's U-P-L-I-F-T desk.com slash POTC to get 5% off your entire order. We all know there are trade-offs in life, like having to drive a little further to save on gas or groceries. But when it comes to your health, you shouldn't have to trade off. So don't go back to that one doctor who's always late and rushes through your appointment just because they're close by or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. You can search by location, availability, insurance, literally no trade-offs here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. My kid's pediatrician is retiring this summer, so you can bet I will be using ZocDoc to find someone new who we all love and trust. So go to ZocDoc.com POTC and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. 
That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash P-O-T-C. ZocDoc.com slash P-O-T-C. We're proud to be sponsored by Praxis, the premier provider of continuing education training for mental health professionals. Right now, Praxis is offering both virtual and in-person trainings. And for the virtual trainings, they have both live and on-demand courses. Praxis is our go-to for evidence-based CE trainings, and they're especially known for their ACT trainings. Some of the best expert peer-reviewed ACT trainers offer courses with Praxis. Check out their current offerings at praxiscet.com, or you can link to them through our website, offtheclockpsych.com, and you can get a discount on live training events if you use the code OFFTHECLOCK. I'm here with Debbie to introduce today's episode, which is a little bit of a different kind of episode. It, It ended up being a little bit less of an interview and more of a conversation between friends and colleagues. And my hope for listeners in this episode is that that you'll take something away from this conversation that you might be able to apply in your own life, like maybe feel inspired to be courageous, to step out of your comfort zone. So Debbie, I'm curious what, what you took away from this conversation that I had with Ricky. Well, you know, I like that the conversation was a little bit different than some of our interviews, because to me, it was very sweet. It felt like a conversation between two friends who were sharing in this very authentic and honest and vulnerable way. And it was just, it felt like I was having happy hour with the two of Mm -hmm. you. And I actually learned things about both of you. I've gone to some of Ricky's workshops before. I've never regretted one because she just has such a wonderful presence. And Jill, I know you very well. And I still learned some things about you. I think our listeners will too. They'll get to know you better on a more personal level. Um, So I just loved that sweetness. But also I did find it inspiring. And I think that sometimes you know, people are in different places in their life, but often you might be considering something that you want to do. You know, there might be a possibility of something that you've thought about, and it could be something really tiny or something big. And I think the two of you share some examples from your own lives of big things that you've done, but it could be, you know, taking a class or having a conversation with someone or stepping into a leadership role. And I think to me, there were some really helpful and inspiring insights about that. Yeah, it's I think that's that's right on is that, you know, whether you've been thinking about making a big change that feels incredibly intimidating or scary or, you know, just something small. I just moved across the country and so I'm now, you know, in this new place where I don't know, you know, the parents in my kids' new school. I I actually had to take my kids to school for the first time today and they were they were so nervous and I actually cried at dropping off my daughter who's in fifth grade. And I said to the staff, as soon as she, as soon as my daughter walked away, I started to cry and I said, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm dropping her off at kindergarten, not at, in fifth grade, because I could just feel how anxious she was to go into this brand new situation. And this is a situation that she didn't really have a choice, right? She's required by law to go to school and her parents moved her across the country And so I think whether it's something that you're choosing to do or whether it's something, you know, you have to do, like we encounter so many things throughout our lives that are scary or vulnerable or take courage. And like you said, Ricky and I each share some examples of that. And of course, the main thread here is how we can use psychological flexibility to be able to lean into those moments in 
open and values driven ways to have a life that has meaning and, and fulfillment and vitality. Right. Stepping outside the comfort zone. And it's, it's always an act of courage. It's always hard. It's, you know, it's uncomfortable. That's, <laughs> that's just how it is. And I think that I just also really love that you highlight the importance of social support in all of its various forms and how, you know, reaching out for help or support or just knowing that you have a community that will be there for you just makes a huge difference. So I love that you highlight that as well toward the end. Absolutely. I I don't think that you can underestimate the importance of, and you know, community can be even just one other person. And I think sometimes people feel like community is such a big word that it, it means large numbers of people. And I think that that sense of community and support can even just be one other person. And that's another thing that I have uh, just felt so grateful over these past this past week, you know, making this move across the country. Um, we've had a little snafu and we don't have any of our things. And I have friends who are delivering me tables to borrow. And my sister-in-law made us a bunch of food. And, you know, at one of the most stressful, hardest times in my family's experience, we've had people who have, you know, really stepped up and been there. But it requires me also being vulnerable, asking for help, letting people know what's going on and what's, you know, what's happening and why it's stressful. And, and I think we talk about a lot of those kinds of things in the episode. And I, and I hope people will will really give some thought to like how they might step into some of these these opportunities as well. Well, and for your family, you have each other. You know, you're there <laughs> sitting in the car with your kids as you take them to school and they're terrified and you're terrified. And it's like you have that support with each other. And that that's worth a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we hope you enjoy this episode with Ricky Keldard. Hey, everybody, it's Jill here, and I am absolutely thrilled about my guest today. I have Ricky Kelgard here, and I'm going to read you her bio, and her bio alone will probably tell you why I'm so excited to talk to her. Ricky Kelgard is a licensed psychologist, peer-reviewed act trainer, ACBS fellow, author, speaker, and chief rock and roller in her own business. Ricky is on a mission to help therapists thrive and to be brave and authentic helpers. Trained as a clinical psychologist, she has a 15-year background in the science of human behavior and the practice of behavior change. Ricky is a popular speaker on the Scandinavian as well as the international stage, and she is known to bring both passion and vulnerability to her talks. She transforms the lives of her audience by bringing evidence-based strategies to her listeners in ways that are edible, manageable, and impactful. Ricky is known to leave her audience in tears with compelling stories from her own life and to create extraordinary interactions between people. And I can vouch for the fact that I have been in many of Ricky's audiences and I always leave in tears and have extraordinary interactions. And one thing that is not in Ricky's bio is that she is also a certified shark diver and rescue diver. So Ricky, welcome to Psychologist Off the Clock. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Jill. I'm honored to be here. Literally, I'm just, I'm blown away that you're asking me to come in here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, today is going to be a little different than some of our interviews. So, you know, the kind of the like typical thing we do is often interview authors when they have a new book out. And Ricky does have an, an act book out that's written in Swedish and the Danish version is coming out this fall. But of course, I have not been able to read that book because I don't speak Swedish nor Danish. <laughs> but the reason I want to talk to Ricky is because she is just a, a brilliant and inspiring human who 
has impacted so many people, myself included. And I wanted our listeners, you guys, to get the benefit of her wisdom. So normally I prepare dozens of questions. And today I decided not to prep questions, but just to have a conversation. And Ricky and I, I think, correct me if you think this is wrong, Ricky, but you know, we share a similar mission. We both practice mm. act and psychological flexibility in our own lives. And then pretty much everything we do professionally is about bringing that to others. So Ricky primarily teaches mental health providers to become proficient at clinicians. And we'll talk a little more about how she does that, I'm sure. And then I do some of that similar training, but do more so with the public. And we're both interested in helping people overcome imposter syndrome. Or I sometimes call it like helping people live full size rather than fun size. So in the Mm -hmm. United States, Halloween, we have these full size candy bars and fun size candy bars. And like everybody knows the house with the full size bars. They're like surprising and special and exciting and maybe even a little forbidden. So I like to call that, you know, like we like to help people live full size rather than fun size. And Ricky, what I often hear you say is you want to help people bring a badass. And I don't know if you can see this, the listeners can't, but I'm currently wearing a bracelet that says badass on it. So I thought- Of course you are. (laughs) Of course I am. Um, So I, today I thought that we could have a conversation about that. Like how to use psychological flexibility to be a full size badass. How does that sound? (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, and, and so, and, and I, I'm, I'm so happy that you, that we're on the same mission because I think, I think the world needs more full size badasses and people stepping out of all of these rules of how we're supposed to be and what we can't and cannot do, what we can't do and what, what is, what, what's possible for us. So. Yeah. If I could have an impact on the world, it would absolutely be to have folks do more of that, live full-size, badass lives. 100%. And and I think maybe a, a nice place to start is I've heard you share a number of your own personal stories. And like I said, I think they're so inspiring. And you, know, you really have turned your own pain into purpose, right? Like what you do Mm. and why this mission matters to you comes from Mm. a place of your own challenge, right? Having to become Mm. more of a badass over time. So is that something that you would be willing to talk about and share with our audience? Sure, sure. Always like, and I have like, I have a variety of those stories about overcoming, like one of them that, that you might your listeners might be interested in is that you know when I was very little I lost a very special person actually two I lost my grandparents and it was just so interesting how when grieving all of that I saw like the dynamics of my entire family I looked to my parents and they were like superheroes my parents are superheroes but they were taught that it was not okay to be sad that you know have to Get yourself together and come back at work. Not display big emotions. I know my mom went to see a psychologist that absolutely lost it and cried and had to kind of stop the session because they fell apart. And so when I was little, I was taught to be a good girl who doesn't show weakness who helps others. I I had to parent my parents. I'm sure they would disagree because that was not what they wanted for me. 
But I think that was kind of the start for me growing up thinking that I had to carry the entire world on my shoulders, make sure that I was absolutely under control, uh, didn't show weakness. And that is a tall order <laughs> till starter. Mm-hmm. It's hard to carry the world like that. So it wasn't until I was kind of fairly grown up, I found out that that living like that is very hard and asking for help I think is so, so important. And I think one of the things that I taught was, well, experienced pretty late in life. And when I say late in life, I'm like, I'm 47. I had to count that. I'm 47 Mm -hmm. as of today. (laughs) And I was, I think I was 42 the first time I asked for help. Like, Like I was 42 before I asked for help. And it came out of a situation where I, realized that I had always been told that it was okay to ask for help, but I was never taught to ask for help. So, you know, bringing together all of these stories and we could go into many of them, if either of them, if you wanted to. But I think that the story for me was that I thought I was supposed to be super woman, super human, which is Again, as I said, so hard to be. And then asking for help would be one of like, it's like, it's almost like asking me to speak a different language that I have never spoken. Mm-hmm. So I think that is how I bring, when we talk about act and psychological flexibility, that is what I like to bring to the model to teach people and to practice this myself, being willing to be with difficult emotions, being willing to step back from my inner rules, being willing to show up as a badass <laughs> and not only tell people that it's okay to ask for help, but teach them. Yeah. And so does it make sense at all? It a hundred percent makes sense. And what do you attribute that transformation to? Like what happened when you were 42 that shifted this for you? And I I know you also, I don't know if this is the story where you're going, but you have a really (laughs) powerful story about climbing with your mom. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Will you share that? (laughs) I will share that. That is what happened. So I went to Nepal with my mom and a group of, of, of people and, you know, trekking in Nepal. And seriously, I think we thought that we're just going to go to Nepal, you know, have a little wine, see some nature. (laughs) And what we didn't realize that we were literally climbing mountains and it was so hard and it was so, it was one of the most beautiful trips of my life. Anyway, I brought my mom. She was at that time 71 and she's a badass. And again, as I said, like I have the utmost respect and love for my mom. And I also on that trip realized that she'd never, she'd always say I could ask for help, but she'd never shown that. And so we came to this place where like we call it the wall because it felt like a wall and my mom just lost it. She, she, there was like no way she could get up there. And so the entire crew came to her and said, you know, please let us help you. We can carry you. We can hold your hand. We could push you. We could carry your stuff. And I watched her like, and I think I do the same thing as well. I watched her say, no, it's okay. I don't want to be a burden. And, you know, I chose to come here and I packed my own bags and so forth. 
And it was just so interesting to witness that. And she was really upset. And seeing that, of course, made me really upset. And it was literally, I'm so glad you remember this story, but it was literally in that moment that I realized I am looking at the person Here's the te- here are the tears, Jill. Here they are. I'm looking at a person who I've looked up to my entire life for their strength. And I'm seeing now that the story that you are not supposed to be a burden and not allowing yourself to be carried is literally holding you back. Like she's that was like if we were to stay there, like the sun would go down and it would be freezing cold and we would like we would be frozen in Himalaya by now, right? And so I was really upset by watching that and I decided I'm no longer just gonna tell people to ask for help. I'm gonna make this my mission to show them and do that myself. Because I think that is one of the most important things that I can bring to this world is to practice what I preach and to model it, to not just tell people what to do, but to show them myself. And so it was just like that moment. And I I hope you can, I, I just want people to tap into this in their hearts, seeing somebody that you so admire and also seeing that what they taught you was not working well. Like I, that's not a set of rules that I want to live by, that you cannot show weakness, that you have to be strong, that you cannot be a burden. So it was a very strong moment for me. And what was even stronger, and you might have heard this as well, Jill, is when I came home, I kept talking to people about climbing that mountain as, as a metaphor And I talked to people about asking for help. And I said this in so many contexts. I, you know, it was so, because this was just an important experience for me. And so one year later. It was a real aha moment. It was a real aha moment. And and just like having, so I I remember I stood in front of my partner. And for some of you, this is going to be, oh, of course, everybody can do that. But for me, I stood in front of my partner some time later and I said, Right now, I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I can you just hold me? Mm. And like, for again, for some of you, this might be just so easy, but it was so hard for me because I always have an answer. I'm always the helper. So, yeah. so I kept talking about this, and and a, a year later. My son, and I have his permission to talk about this, he had his first heartbreak. He was 16 at this time, and he had his first heartbreak, and he was, like, devastated. And he came to me in the middle of the night. I'll never forget this. He woke me up. He was having, I think, a panic attack. And he woke me up while I was sleeping, and he said, Mom, wake up. I'm at my mountain now, and I just can't get up. And I need you to help me carry. You know, I need you to help me get up. And for me, that all all this work that I've done kind of fell into place because he didn't have the language to say, like, I'm overwhelmed by difficult emotions. I don't know. You know, he didn't have the language. He was 16 and, of course, like totally broken by somebody leaving him. But he could speak metaphorically about being at a mountain and he asked for help. So... 
in one way, I'm kind of shameful <laughs> to talk about all of this because it's because it's very personal. And on the other hand, I'm so proud that like, what if what if you as a 16 year old were able to say this and not wait until you were like 42 like me? So that's wow. kind of become my mission in life to help people ask for help and allow themselves to be carried. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. I hadn't heard that second part about your son and that got, that got me crying too. And this is something I can relate to so much. And I, I really think that one of the reasons your stories and trainings resonate so much with people is because these themes are so universal. And I imagine many of our listeners, you know, especially women can relate to being the good girl, as you mentioned. And, you know, for me with asking for help, I wasn't explicitly taught that it's not okay to ask for help, but I had multiple experiences where like my mom just didn't show up for me during really important times when I really needed her. And so in a, for different reasons, a different learning history, I came to believe, similar to you, that I just needed to like independence and competence my way through everything. That like, if I just do everything myself, then I can't be disappointed. I can't be let down when people that matter to me don't show up for me. And, you know, what's interesting about these kinds of behaviors we develop out of our childhoods is they often work for a time, right? Like, being super competent, being super independent helped me to be successful and to achieve some of the goals that I set out to achieve for myself until that day where I was juggling so many, you know, balls on fire that they all came tumbling down. And, and then I didn't really have the tools or the skills to be able to ask for help. It felt so unsafe and scary and vulnerable. And what I also realized is I I found myself being drawn to people and professions where like you need me more than I need you. I mean, think about mm-hmm. being a therapist, right? I get to sit in the comfortable chair mm-hmm. where you as the client are talking about your challenges, your vulnerabilities, and I'm the helper, which means I don't have to ask for help and be vulnerable. Um, And even in certain relationships, I found that I was drawn, you know, in romantic relationships, I was often drawn to, you know, kind of like a broken bird type, like, oh, I can, I can fix you. And then I don't need Mm -hmm. you as much as you need me. And when that day came that all of those flaming balls came tumbling down, you know, I was in a situation where I also didn't really have like the appropriate people to ask for help because I had surrounded myself with the helpies rather than the helpers, Mm. if that makes sense. So it's kind of this like, right? Like it works until it doesn't. And then when it doesn't, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's really, Uh, it's really quite, quite a thing. But I will say, I think, you know, having that awareness, you know, being mindful of like, what is that suffering that's showing up and, the willingness to feel discomfort and to do something different. You know, I just, I feel grateful for act and psychological flexibility every single day, because like you said, you like, you'd still be sitting in the Himalayas, you know, frozen to death on a mountain. And I don't know what the heck would be going on with me if I didn't, you know, if I didn't have this way forward, once I realized that I was really being handicapped 
by this this independence and competence my way through life, you know? I'm sobbing here on the other side because I'm just so I'm so unbelievably moved by what it is that you're saying and the vulnerability. That's one of one of the many reasons that I adore you, Dil, is that like the vulnerability that you're sharing with me and your listeners right now about your mom not showing up and about these pattern in your relationships. It's just so uh, I don't know if this makes sense, but I want to say beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. And I mm-hmm. think it's so recognizable for so many people that you, you come to a place in your life where you see that this is no longer working. And I, I, and I want to invite people to see that it doesn't mean that you have to give away all of your strategies, but because, you know, you're, you, you and me, Jill, we're still being good girls in many contexts, aren't we? Like, there, it, it's, mm-hmm. it, it does work in some contexts to be, you know, this good girl that <laughs> that doesn't show vulnerability in some context. It does work sometimes, but it doesn't work as a general rule. So we'll mm-hmm. have to be able to discriminate between when is this working for me and when is it not? When am I superwoman and when am I superwoman in a way that is more vulnerable so that we can be everything and not this or that? I really, really, really love that. And I think that one of the things that you said that just touched my heart when you talked about surrounding yourself with people who kind of more needed your help. It, one of the things that I have also learned is that, and, and I, I don't know if this makes sense outside of my own head, but sometimes I think that we're not asking too much, but we might be asking the wrong people. And I think it's so important in our lives to learn, like people, people want to be there for us. And some people are there for us in ways that doesn't really fit with what it is that we need. It doesn't mean that they don't love us or want to be there, but they just can't carry us the way that we need to be carried, or they just can't be there for us in the way that we need it. But surrounding ourselves with people who can do that. So I love to hear that. It sounds like you've surrounded yourself with people who will carry you as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I haven't. And I have to say, I I love this segue because one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is the power of community. And, you know, at the time all the balls came crashing down, you know, my husband is one of the people, of course, who is, is in my corner and loves me to death. But we had to do a little work around our dynamic because the dynamic was not one that I'm the one who needs help and he's the one that's the helper. And and we were able to do that and we're stronger now for it. So I think on the one hand, you know, there are some people who, I don't know, maybe brought up to speed, if that's the, mm. the right way to say it, but mm. that it's possible. It's possible to change a dynamic. It doesn't mean you just have mm. to like bail, right? We don't have to blow it all up and start from scratch. But I think, you know, one of the most powerful influences in me living full size has been in 
finding community. And in even within our ACBS community, which is how Ricky and I really know each other, the Association for Contextual and Behavioral Sciences, which are professionals who practice and, and teach, et cetera, and do research on ACT and psychological flexibility. When I joined the Women's Special Interest Group, the Women's SIG in ACBS, um, I love this community and this organization, and I wanted to be more involved, and I decided to run for a spot on the board. And the way that works is you, you know, you fill out all the requisite paperwork, and then there's a small committee that takes all the people who have been nominated, and I, I think I nominated myself, and then they pick two people from that larger pool to actually go on the ballot, and then the the larger membership votes on those two people to see who gets that position. And so when I decided to run for the board, which required a lot of courage and vulnerability, I had a lot of imposter thoughts about like, who am I? I'm nobody. I haven't done enough. No one knows me. Uh, what business do I have thinking that this is something that I can be doing? And my fear, you know, of course, was I wouldn't be chosen. And that's exactly what happened. I didn't even get put on the ballot that first time. And oof, that was an ego blow, right? And it proved mm. everything I thought I knew to be true. And mm. so then when the next year came around, there was no way I was going to put myself through that again. You know, the inner mm. critic showed up to try to protect me from being, from failing again and being humiliated mm. again, right? And it was the women in the women's SIG who, and I don't even remember how this happened. I feel like it was via email on a listserv conversation. I'm not sure. But all these women who came up and said, no, you must, you, you, mm. you must run again. You know, that you belong here. You're good enough. You're, mm. you know, th this is, this is available to you. You can do it. And like, also you're brave and you can handle it if it doesn't work out again, right? You're strong. Mm. You can handle that outcome. And so at a time where I had trouble harnessing my own psychological flexibility, this community surrounded me and lifted me up and really gave me the courage to run again. And that time I did get selected for the ballot and I did get selected for the position on the board. And it's been really life-changing for me. It's a way that I've been able to provide service, but also just to get so much out of out of the community. And if it hadn't been for that group of women, I am quite certain that I would have continued to live fun size, which is not fun at all, you know, mm. and like hide in my quiet little corner feeling like I'm not good enough and I'm not important enough. And so I'm curious, you know, I think your, your mountain story, there were so many people involved that, that helped Right. So I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. This this role of community and in, in bolstering um, I being so a badass. <laughs> I so agree because again, like if we go back to that mountain again, we would have been frozen dead out there, still there. And it was because of the group that we got up, and because of the help. And I think that sometimes we find ourselves as if we are alone on our metaphorical mountains, and we forget to look around and see like. Are there anyone here who can help me carry and help me get up? And actually, another thing that I'm kind of, I'm so passionate about is that what, what, what do you think happens when you actually ask for help? Like I have never had anybody within my community say, Oh no, you're a burden. I don't want to help you or some, somebody, something like that. 
people want to help each other. And actually, I think you're gifting them by allowing yourself to be carried. So whenever we are asking for help, we're giving others an opportunity to care for us, which I think is actually kind of a gift. So I think, again, community is so important. And I've found so much uh, compassion within the ACBS that, that, that you are in from you, Jill. Like you've been, I remember the first time I met you. I, I remember where you sat in the audience and I remember you coming to me and sending me your book. And you're just one of these people who I, who I always picture. So, so sometimes I'm, I'm, you know, when I'm training, I get this. It's not sometimes I get imposter syndrome. It always happens. But I'm like, oh, I am sure that I have nothing to bring. I don't know what to say. And what if I fall off stage and all of that? So I <laughs> always imagine <laughs> a group of people that are kind and compassionate that as if they are there supporting me. And you are one of them. And so oh, for I me, whenever I have to kind of, whenever I'm stepping out into the world, and it doesn't have to be like on stage, literally, but whenever I'm doing something that might feel scary or that, you know, evokes this imposter, I think about people who will support me. So I contact them psychologically, if you will, mm -hmm. and imagine that they're there having my back. And it also means that I also have a group of people who are not part of my community. Like I have come across a variety of people who have not treated me well and kind, who I don't want to be like. And they, what they have taught me is like how I don't want to be in life and how I don't want to be a person like wanting to bring others down. And so whenever I do something, I actually imagine this group of people that I don't like, they're like outside. I sometimes see this as a as a as an arena where I'm on stage and I and I put them outside and inside I bring the people that I think will support me and some of them are like actual people like yourself and my mom <laughs> and and others are more like avatars but it's actually mm -hmm. very helpful to surround yourself with community even when they're like not literally in the same room as you. I don't know if that makes sense, but imagining the people who will care for you and support you, cheering for you. And I'll sometimes it, say this, you, you, you've heard me say this before, but I'm a big fan of Queen and what, you know, just imagine Freddie Mercury going, oh, like there's so many singing already and there's so many doing music. I should just, you know, I don't want to be a burden. I don't, I will just, you know, play small. What a shame that would have been. And Jill Stoddard, like, what if you didn't apply for that position again? Or what if you didn't write your books? Or what if you didn't bring whatever it is? Like, what a shame it would be. So I think that, you know, giving people a voice and seeing that you're all little Freddie Mercury's, I don't know if that makes sense, or little Beyonce's or whatever you want to be and mm -hmm. seeing that you like go on that stage and you don't have to be as Beyonce or as Freddie Mercury. You could be yourself and imagine the people in front of you cheering for you because what happens when we start hiding like it's, I, that breaks my heart when people start hiring like you, I don't want to share anything here on public podcast, but some of the stories you've told me, Jill, is just like heartbreaking about not feeling supported on your journey. And I hear that from so many and I've had that myself. And like what happens when people start hiding 
the small yeah. lives that they're living and it breaks my heart. So here's an invitation to all listeners, regardless of you being a professional act therapist or interested in act or whatever it is that you are doing to get on that stage and have yourself be heard. Absolutely. And if you, and listen, if, and if there's nobody there cheering for you, like me and Jill will. Absolutely. Can, yes. You I can borrow tell you us. That, you can borrow us. And I, I had a client, a wonderful client who I loved working with. And I, I, I think I, I've written about this I, and, and I, I may have talked about it on the podcast, but she came into session one day and she had had a really successful week and doing, you know, engaging in values driven actions and whatnot. And, and when I asked her, you know, what, what was it that, that helped her to be successful? She said, well, I just thought WWJD. And I had this moment inside my brain where I thought, so normally that means what would Jesus do? And I thought, oh my gosh, I've been working with her for so long and she's religious. And how did I not know this? And I am the world's worst therapist. And as I'm spinning out in my head, she says, you know, what would Jill do? And she went on to explain that through the week, she sort of carried me on her shoulder. And when she was faced with a choice to avoid or to do, you know, a more badass, full-size living kind of thing. She thought, what would Jill do? Or what would Jill want me to do? That kind of thing. And I loved that so much that I have now adopted this with other clients. And I don't, I don't pick who the J is. I don't say, hey, everybody, think about what would Jill do? I, I ask them to pick a J. So for me, it's often WWOD, what would Oprah do? Because I love mm. Oprah. And to me, you know, Oprah is somebody who has endured racism and poverty and sexism and abuse and body shaming. And she's never let it stop her. And she uses mm-hmm. her power for good, you know, even though she's maybe lifted up some not so savory characters by accident in the past. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like she generally uses her power for good and she doesn't let these obstacles get in her way. And, you know, when I had an opportunity to do a TEDx talk, I had, this was during the pandemic. I had gained a lot of weight and, and my body and weight have always been a real challenge for me. I, I grew up my, my parents, I talk about this on my website. I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but my parents, who were otherwise kind and loving people, used to call me Tubby, Little Tubette, Tubby Tubby 2 by 4 And there was a lot of shame around the size of my body and, and food. And so I had this opportunity to do this TED Talk. And oh, now you're, I can hear you're crying and it's <laughs> making me cry. Um, and I had gained quite a bit of weight during the pandemic. And all I thought was, I can't, like, I can't, oh, I am crying now. I can't memorialize myself forever on video as this big tubet. You know, this whole history just came smashing around me. And in that moment, I thought, what would Oprah do? Or what would Oprah say? What would she say to me? Yeah. And first of all, she would absolutely do that TED Talk. You know, this was a bucket list professional dream come true thing for me, right? She would absolutely do it. And she would say to me, Jill, you are so much more than your body. And it is yeah. your mission to share psychological flexibility with the world. And this is an opportunity to do that. And even if it helps just one person, you've got to do it. And I did it. 
And, you know, that video, I've since lost a lot of weight and, and not that there's anything wrong with being in a larger body, but this is just the thing, like my sort of like shame that my history has kind mm. of put, you know, made me internalize. And that video lives on my website. And it's honestly, it's hard for me to watch, but mm. I am so freaking proud of myself that I did it. And I wore a bright red blouse and I wore leopard print shoes because I wasn't just going to do it. I was going to do it like big and bold and, and not hide. And that Mm. entire thing came from this one client coming Mm. into session. You TEDxed full size. I TEDx full size because WWOD. <laughs> and so, you know, I want to encourage listeners to think about this. Like, who is your J or your O, right? When yeah. you feel stuck, when you have a, a dream, an aspiration, like something you want to do out on that stage, living big, having your voice, being Freddie Mercury, you know, who is that person for you? And what would they do if they were struggling mm-hmm. in the same way? And what would they say to you? if they knew you were struggling in the same way. I love this piece of perspective taking so much. And I just wanted to pause for a second. And like, I hope that you notice yourself, Jill, that you were somebody's Oprah. Mm. You like you were, you were that somebody for somebody else. And that is amazing. And I think like knowing you that, if you could have made one impact in this world and if just one person said that it would have been all worth it. And I, so, and I want to, and want to invite people to realize not, not only to find your, who is your, like, what would they say, but also reflect that you are somebody's Oprah or you are somebody's deal. Like somebody is looking up to you and going, Hmm. So I know my kids will often say like, what would mom do? And, and clients would, you know, say that, what would, what would, you know, my therapist say or, and, but just, you know, if in doing this perspective taking piece, who would support you and, and how can you ask for guidance from them, but also notice how you are somebody's rock star. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think of, so, so, you know, I have this tendency to zip up my, my suit of armor, right. Put on like Uh my rhino suit where I am not vulnerable and I, you know, I'm independent and competent and all of those things. And what I really desire is to be more like you in terms of being open and vulnerable and emotional. And Kelly Wilson is another example of that for me. Mm. And, you know, there have been times where I've been teaching and I've thought, oh, there's this story I want to share, but it feels so scary and vulnerable and everyone's going to judge me and think that I'm an emotional basket case, you know, and it is often that I will think like, what, well, what would Ricky do? Or what would Kelly Wilson do (laughs) in these moments? Because they show their emotions. They cry every single time they're up on stage. And I never look at them and think they're weak emotional basket cases. I think they are freaking badasses. Like, holy cow, that you can get up in front of people and be so raw in the service of helping others. Like, that's how I want to be. And I, it's taken some time to peel that suit back. Like it's more, maybe more like an onion. Cause I feel like I have to do it one layer at a time. Yeah. Um, but I, I do it more. And of course those feared outcomes, you know, they don't, 
come true. And if anything, the times where I've been the most authentic and vulnerable and emotion, emotional, those are the times I get feedback saying, you know, this was so impactful for me. Thank you. This was so powerful. You know, and that's that I think you've had that impact on many people who have who have sat in your audiences and had the benefit of learning from you. Thank you for saying that. I'm just I'm blown away by that. And I I I just I hope that you revisit what you have done throughout this podcast because it it really warms my heart to hear you say that you want to be authentic, you want to show yourself emotional, you want to be able to express that. And you just did. Like literally in this podcast, you shared so much stuff that is personal, vulnerable, and I cannot imagine a single person not thinking that you are an absolute brave badass for doing that. The thing is that I think that if there if there were ever wasn't one more invitation to give people is to not wait, but to like, and this was, might sound like a cliche, well, this is actually a Gandhi, Gandhi quote, but be the change you wish to see in the world mm-hmm. to, to, to practice it. Like if you want more kindness and compassion in your life, practice it yourself. <laughs> if you want more vulnerability in your life, practice doing that and find the arenas in which you can do that. So back 100%. to you. You're- I love that. <laughs> Well, and, and I think that that, what that that goes along with what my next thought was, which is two things. One is sometimes you won't get the outcome you want, or sometimes you'll get the feared outcome, right? Like you ask for help, and once in a while, there's a person who says like, no, sorry, I can't do it. But we underestimate our ability to cope with that. You know, we think it yeah. would be the absolute end of the world to have any kind of quote-unquote failure and 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 the pod it makes me think of the podcast in that you know there are so many cool interesting famous badasses that I want to talk to on this podcast and in the beginning it was like I who am I to talk to that person they're they're more important they're more famous they're I'm too small to think I have any right and you know using these things you and I have been talking about today I just did it anyway and lots of times I got yeses from people I never in a billion years thought would ever want to talk to little old me. Wow. And I've gotten a lot of no's. And even though that stings in the moment, it's fine. Right? Like this. <laughs> You're still standing. <laughs> I am still standing. And yeah. even though it stings a little, I also still feel like proud of myself that I went for it. You yeah. know, even if they say no. And if I had let the fear of the no hold me back, I never would have gotten the yeses. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's it's like this. Um mm. so so we don't always get the the outcome that we that we want. And we can handle that. And yeah. I think really what's more important, and this is a real shift I think culturally, is this idea that that we need to focus more on like choice and process and steps and action. And hold those outcomes really lightly because we don't really get to control them. And if we think about like values and the me that we want to be and, you know, what we want our lives to look like, I think when we can really focus on like this thing I'm going to choose to do or, or choose not to do and hold those outcomes more likely, we're more likely to, to persist and to keep going because those are the pieces we can actually control. 
I love what you're saying. And I just wanted to, when I heard you talk about like all the no's that you, well, you, who, are, who are you to ask these superstars to come on your show? I, it's so interesting because I, 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 my thought was, I wish you could see what I see when I see you. And I think that this is important that we were talking about this. Sometimes you were like, what would Oprah do? But also like, what would, what would they advise us to do? But also like, look at yourself through somebody else's eyes, like seeing what it is that they see, connecting to that love and seeing yourself. Like that is something that we use, you know, this Jill, but when we work with, with acceptance and commitment therapy, there's a lot of exercises where we actually see ourselves from the outside and see ourselves on, look at ourselves with love and kindness and just know that whenever you need it, you can borrow my eyes <laughs> and I will, I will look at you with, with love and compassion and kindness. That's, that's how I see you. And anybody listening to this, you can borrow my eyes. That perspective, I think is so, so important. And what, like, I love that you're saying about persistence and and allowing yourselves to get these no's like life will throw us no's uh and coming back to what you said about transforming pain into person a purpose it might be provoking for some people if you have had something horrible happen to you and we talk about transforming it into something but it is truly possible to learn from all of these no's that life had given us all of these hard experiences like I might, if, if, if the things that happen throughout my life, the, the losses I've had, the heartbreaks, the setbacks, the people rejecting me, people leaving me, all of that, if that didn't happen, I, I might not know the things that I know today. So I'm not saying I'm happy that shit happened. I don't know if we can say shit on your podcast. I just said it twice. <laughs> I have to just happy. rate it e for explicit. <laughs> we've already said badass several times. So we've, we've already, that ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, that ship has sailed. But, you know, we can't, we can't prevent that from happening. But what we can look at is like we can learn from it and we can stand up stronger. And I know that is possible for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to share the story? I think the other thing that I learned from you that was really powerful was the the email that you got. So one of your like one of your narratives is the I'm too much. And you actually got feedback from someone. You received an email, if I'm remembering this yeah. correctly, where yes. essentially they were saying you're yes. too much. And and yes. this like, oh my God, my biggest fear about myself is coming through. Would, do, would you feel willing to, to share that story and what you did with that? Oh, sure. yeah. So what happens is that I, on my website, there's, there's somewhere on the website, it says like Scandinavia's leading company in, in act training, something like that. Like the copy on your website and, and it, the copy on my website was cocky in that way. It really was. And so what happened was that a colleague actually reached out and said, there's a group of us who'd gotten together. And I didn't know who the group was. And I, and I was just so confused. Like, we're wondering why you'd write that. Can you show data? Like, can you prove this? This person clear, clearly doesn't, I don't think this person knows me because it, it absolutely broke me because I was like, Oh my God, I have hurt people by saying something on my website, by, by talking about myself as if I am somebody. 
is now like pissing off people. And who is that group? Like there was this thing too, like who is that group and have they met? And you know, all of that started like, I felt like if we go back to the Savannah, that the entire tribe had kind of moved on and I was left alone to die. And it evoked like a massive grief and shame. Like I was so shameful. And I was like, oh my God. So in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to change the copy and say, I can train people in act like mod- moderately, you know, I was just going to play it small. <laughs> I'm a mediocre trainer. I am a mediocre. <laughs> Come see me if you want. <laughs> and I, I might be able to help you sometimes, maybe a little bit. And <laughs> it, it was so, it was so hard because at the same time, what I do is I teach people to play big. So it was yeah. like, it, this was hard. And I remember like going, then I thought, okay, I'm just going to leave the ACBS. I'm going to leave this community because clearly I have broken the trust with the tribe. So the tribe here being like unbelievable, like the community of ACBS is so big. And this was like one person and one small group. But at that time, of course, I did not see that. I felt like everybody hated me and I am, I am apparently then I am too much and I am wrong and the things that I'm doing. So this kind of contaminated, like it spread through everything that I was doing and I was not worthy. And it literally, like, I think I, I, I spent a week in bed crying. Like I was ready to leave this and to work, like to just quit my job and do something else. And then I, yeah, it was just horrible. And then I went to this world conference where this is where you and I often get together, isn't it? And I just remember I was going to do a thing where I was going to sing at the stage with this party night. And I sat at this table where all the superstars are. And this is interesting because if you ask the people on the table, they would not see themselves as superstars, but that's how I see them. So I sat there and I was just, I sat there because of us going on stage. And so, so I just sat there for a moment and I turned around and I said jokingly, oh, this is what it's like to sit at the cool kids table. And this colleague of ours, Joanne Wright, she heard that and she took my hand and she looked at me and she said, Ricky, you belong here. Mm. And, you know, this was at a party. She had no idea of the history, the things that just happened before that. But one person taking my hand saying, you belong here, had such a profound effect. And so another mission, (laughs) I made it my mission to be that person, to then invite people to come to my table, to be that person who says, you belong here. Like you don't have to be a superstar. <laughs> you don't have to be known for anything. You don't have to be big, small. You don't have to have any, you know, there's nothing you have to be. You are welcome at my table. And I think like if more of us could be that person who takes somebody's hand and says, you belong here, that is something that I think will could could change the world and could change our community. So the person who rejected me or the person who sent that email is also welcome at my table. I won't offer them a lot of energy. I'll say that they're all welcome, but this is not a person I will spend time on. And 
they taught me how I definitely don't want to be. Like, why would we tear each other down? Why would we write emails like that? Why would we bring together groups to talk about, like, I don't get that. But what I do get is that we all have the capacity to take somebody's hand and say, you belong here. Yeah. Oh, I Uh. love that so much. (laughs) And I think if I had to take a guess at why do we cut each other down, you know, to me, that's probably a version of experiential avoidance where these people were feeling threatened. It wasn't about you. It was about them, their insecurities, and acting out in a way to try to manage that, you know, those insecurities, that feeling of being threatened in a way that I would like to think probably wasn't values consistent for them. And you've really transformed that into your own. I don't want to be experientially avoidant in that way. I want to connect with my values of inclusion and belongingness and compassion. And I think that this is the perfect place for us to (laughs) wrap up And I want to make sure people know where they can find you. So as I mentioned, Ricky has a book. So if we have Scandinavian listeners who read Swedish or soon to be Danish, that is available. She also teaches a lot. So if you're a mental health provider who's been wanting to up your game and act and you just want to get more of Ricky, you can find her at her website and it's rickykelgard.com. Will you spell it for folks? So it's R I K K E K. (laughs) What is it? J. K J E L G A A R D dot com. I hope there is a link on your uh, on your website. So it's my name dot com. Yep. Yep. So we'll link to all of that um, in the show notes. And Ricky has also written an essay that's part of a a compendium. What what do you call that when it's a book full of essays? it's a, it, I think oh, they call it an anthology. Uh, an anthology. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So there's an essay where you share, you know, some of your story. Yeah. Can you give it? Can you give the title of the book? Because it's this very empowering book for women. Do you remember it? Off it's the top of your head? It's called Passionately Striving and Why, and it's an anthology for women who mightily persevere. And so my chapter is about. It's actually literally called turning pain into purpose. And it's called the way you get up when life knocks you down. And if I could finish with this anecdote, it was actually because one of my sons, I overheard a conversation where somebody, I was at a conference, I brought my sons and somebody turned towards my son and said something like, oh, you have a pretty cool mom and something like that. And 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 they, they asked, what's the cool thing about your mom? And, you know, my ears, like, they just got twice as big as because I was, I was like ears struggling. And my son, he took a while and he said, the coolest thing about my mom is that the way she gets up when life knocks her down. Mm. And it's just like, oh, it went straight to my heart. So that's why the chapters call that, because that is one of the things that I really believe to be true in this world, that life will knock us down. And it's, it's about how you get up. You will get up, but it's about the how you get up. So if if I could make any impact in anybody's life, it would be to get up each time life knocks them down and think about how you want to get up and play big and be mighty to use your- Live full size. Brilliant. Be a badass. Be a badass. 
Yes. So I will link to all of those resources in our show notes and you can find more of Ricky at rickykelgard.com. Thank you so yeah. much for being here. This was such, I knew this would be a wonderful conversation. I really, really appreciate it and appreciate and love you so much. And thank you so much for your vulnerability. I hope you revisit this podcast and see yourself, Jill Stoddard. You are such an authentic, brave, badass, and I'm so glad to have you in my life. I getcha. If you love to nerd out about books that offer wisdom on living well, join our Psychologist Off the Clock book club. We meet the second Thursday of each month at noon Eastern Standard Time in the U.S. In addition to the monthly book club meetings, you'll get a newsletter with tips, have the chance to meet some of our authors in person, and you get to vote on upcoming books that we'll discuss. To join, all you need to do is email us at offtheclockpsych at gmail.com with book club in the subject line, or you can link to us through the offers and events page at offtheclockpsych.com. We hope you join us for some book love and fun. for listening to psychologists off the clock if you enjoy our podcast you can help us out by leaving a review or contributing on patreon you can get more psychology tips by subscribing to our newsletter and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts connect with us on social media and purchase swag from our merch store by going to our website at offtheclockpsych.com slash merch we'd like to thank our strategic consultant michael harold our dissemination coordinator katie rothfelder and our editorial coordinator melissa miller This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're having a mental health emergency, dial 911. If you're looking for mental health treatment, please visit the resources page of our website, offtheclockpsych.com.